I never broke into a car, I never hotwired a car, kid. I never broke into a trunk. I shall not cause harm to any vehicle nor the personal contents thereof, nor through inaction let that vehicle or the personal contents thereof come to harm. It's what I call the repo code, kid. Don't forget it. Etch it in your brain. Not many people got a code to live by anymore. Hey, look, look at that. Look at those assholes over there. Ordinary fucking people. I hate them. Me too. What do you know? See, an ordinary person spends his life avoiding tense situations. Repo man spends his life getting into tense situations. everybody welcome to generation loss this is the show where me and jeremy generally talk about movies that's right <laughs> how are you doing i'm Bryn. that's jeremy and today we have a guest uh today uh called uh his name is the chris wade <laughs> yes i am the chris wade <laughs> he hello is the, homie wade ass he's, the <laughs> he's, host a, he's of, in the house <laughs> <laughs> he's the host of and introducing a show about books about music and uh, the producer of uh, Chapo Trap House. So how you doing, buddy? Uh, I am doing well. Uh, feet, feet are sore from, uh, from protesting. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad to be in and watching Repo Man today because uh, this is... <laughs> I mean, I think after watching it for maybe my eighth ninth tenth time i can i can solidly say this is my favorite movie of all time so <laughs> favorite ever yeah I, I i think that that i can make that claim at this point so it's I always it's good really, to have an excuse to uh to watch it yeah it's a really fair favorite i think it's it's got I, a lot of like really uh it, it it's not a great movie but I, we'll we'll get to this it's <laughs> no. but it's like it has so many elements of what you want from a favorite movie that i absolutely can like yeah. i don't think it's mine but i i agree I think it's, it says a lot about the person whose favorite movie it is. It's mm-hmm. it's my right vibe. Yeah. Uh, so before we get into the movie we watched this week, what did you watch this week? Okay. Uh, okay. So I watched two things this week I wanted to talk about. Uh, I watched for the first time... This episode is going to be an hour and a half. Yeah, it's <laughs> so long. Uh, <laughs> I watched for the first time uh, the three billboards outside Ebbing's... Oh, yeah. Uh, Missouri... And I rewatched Air Force One. <laughs> okay. I also watched Air Force One recently. Dude, hell yes. It's, okay, it's on so Netflix. It's a weirdly uh, 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 good movie. I, I really appreciate it. I mean, just not not only as like a classic action film, but also, did you notice this when you were watching it? That so for those who've never seen it, I can't imagine anybody hasn't. But we do have some Zoomers who listen to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Air Force One is a movie about uh, Harrison Ford is the president of the United States. And uh, he's on his plane, and it gets hijacked by communists who want to bring back the Soviet Union. And then he fights them off, and then crashes with, the plane, but fists. gets out anyway. Yes. <laughs> and that's it. It's basically just yeah. about like, what if the president could fight? Is yeah. essentially the what if the president the could throw a punch? The villains are like Soviets. Yeah, so they're, they're like Soviet separatists. They're, right? Are they are they literally Kazakh? 
They are, yes. Uh, so they are Kazakhs who are trying to bring back like the full <laughs> Soviet Union, like the like the expanded universe Soviet Union. Yugoslavia. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Gold, uh, golden era uh, Soviet universe. Right. So they um they <laughs> they are they actually might be Russians who are trying to take back Kazakhstan as part of the Soviet Union. I can't really oh. no because their main goal is getting that Kazakh general out of that jail, right? Yes. Uh huh. So there's a, oh. the beginning they established there's a Kazakh general who was himself a separatist trying to do genocide, or he was doing genocide. He was doing bad communist stuff. Yeah, <laughs> generic <laughs> bad commie stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. They don't really get into it too much, except that like four hundred thousand died, and like the United States was one hundred gorillion dead. They they waited too long to get involved, and it was cool that Harrison Ford was like, "We waited too long. <laughs> Next time we'll do better." We gave them too much of a chance before yeah. we genocided them. So he's leaving Russia at the beginning of the movie, and then they hijack his plane. And uh, their goals are uh, fairly simple. They want to get this general out of jail. And I guess the belief is that he's kind of like a like a golden age Lenin type where yeah. mm-hmm. like the moment he's out, baby, it's revolution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People even get a whiff of him in the air. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to you got to put your your uh, general card into the military leader slot. And then uh-huh. yeah. that will activate revol- revolution. Dude, it's but like isn't that isn't that how it always sounds when you hear stories about Lenin? Like, doesn't yeah. it always sound like he's kind of just a power up card? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I'm tapping Lenin to activate the Soviets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, and everyone but, was just like, "Oh, this guy, we gotta go. We gotta <laughs> do it now." But what's weird in Air Force One that I noticed is. Um, that the the writer the screenwriter is oddly very sympathetic to the soviet struggle and very uh like wishy-washy on america where yeah, especially like, because harrison ford has like 10 lines in that entire movie so i know and they're really all epic his, they're yeah. all great like, <laughs> he's just, he's just like growl plane yeah he's just growling into various uh walkie-talkies while gary oldman gets like long eloquent monologues about mm-hmm. what what they took from our people yeah he has this amazing <laughs> monologue where he's talking to harrison ford's daughter and he's like uh he's like you think i'm an evil man you think i'm so fucked up because i kill all these people you know these people are he says like he has this like really beautiful poetic way of saying it where he's like he's like these people are people's sons they're people's daughters don't think that i don't know that but mm-hmm. like understand that what i'm fighting for means more to me and that i'm someone's son too and this is what i became and he like has this whole thing and she's like <laughs> you're a monster and he's like like fuck off and he leaves and you're like damn what a cool guy and then like the mom is like the mom's like fuck you you kill people and that's bad and he's like you fucking blow up iraqi children for a nickel off your gas and you're like god damn Damn. gary (laughs) and then like the most like ideological thing harrison ford says in support of like the american cause is like if you give a mouse a cookie (laughs) it'll want a glass of milk (laughs) So it's an anti-America movie. Uh, except that he's the hero and he wins and it's like epic and, and you love him. I mean, that it, it really backs up the general policy is that because he is able to then beat up Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. you, you learn to sympathize with him and realize that he's right. <laughs> uh, it's really the most American film when you think about but it. But no, it is a good, it's, it's a great action movie in the... Um, in the the like diehard way because it's it's mm-hmm. constrained location and that always just makes it mm-hmm. that 
like more interesting and fun to, to track what people are doing and the limitations that being inside one small place is that you learn to navigate around as they move through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just and it's got it a lot fun. of like, um, it's got a lot of fun, like Hitman energy, sort of like a stealth mission in a video game sort of shit where like he sneaks upstairs and like turns the volume up on the TV to distract the guy so he can get back downstairs and up another way. Like a lot of fun shit like that. Very fun movie. Yes. Sounds like a fun game to play. It would be well. Perfect Dark had that mission. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Perfect Dark had a had an Air Force One mission. I never played that one. Um, it was like the sequel to the spiritual successor. Spiritual to Goldeneye. successor to Goldeneye. Yeah. Uh, oh, with cool. The weird uh, blue alien gun that had a an alien vagina that you put the bullets into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so gross. It was all spiny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, but so three billboards. Uh, did you guys see that? I have seen that. I did not see that movie. Uh, Bryn, w- did you like it? I don't know if I liked it. Uh, kinda. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really appreciate. I love that writer. Um, yeah. I'm not a big fan of In Bruges, but I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of The Pillow Man. Okay. Uh, which is not a movie; it's just a play. I'd love it to be a movie. Um, so I was sort of, I sort of had high hopes for the movie. Like I, I think I had my expectations really high. Right. And the ending sort of being as, um ambiguous as it mm-hmm. was sort of annoyed me yes that's exactly what i i finished the movie and i was just like well that fucking sucks so chris uh the the story of it is that uh this uh francis mcdormand plays a mother in in this shitty little missouri town who uh her daughter was like raped and murdered and set on fire and it's like this really like gruesome horrible thing that happened and the police just like have no leads and they can't do anything about it and I guess, like, the story is that she buys these billboards to say, like, hey, fuck you, why don't you investigate my daughter's death? And uh, it's mostly just about, like, everybody reacting to these billboards. Uh, and there's a lot of, like, kind of, like, little B-plots that are, I don't know, it's like, it seems like the theme of it is, is uh, I kind of got, like, a capital punishment thing out of it. Bryn, did you get that, too? It's I kind of it's sort of more like um, or just justice in general. Yeah, it's like what is justice? Is right. what's the difference between justice and vengeance? Yeah, sure, exactly. Okay, it? so perfect. And and the idea and so what made me think of capital punishment is is this idea of like that's just straight vengeance and everybody knows it and nobody even yeah. like the biggest proponents of it will say it's really just vengeance that we're doing and yeah. <laughs> we just believe that vengeance is good. You gotta have it. How and, else are you gonna have the cathartic? release of justice without vengeance exactly and so then the end of the movie is that they like never find the the person who did it but like they find you know somebody who did something similar and there it ends with the two characters like in a car on their way to go murder that person (laughs) but then they have a moment where they're like but should we do this and he's like i don't know maybe and that's the end of the movie and you're like no <laughs> what you well, had it there yeah the just whole end movie, it two seconds sooner because <laughs> the whole movie is really interesting and it's like once they sort of introduce the idea of like she wants to kill a guy to make up for like she basically wants an eye for an eye kind of justice right and it it's almost like well does it even matter if it's the real guy yeah, and that's exactly. like the the real question of the movie is does it even matter if you kill the correct per- or the person who actually did it or does, do you just have a bloodlust now because of some sense of vengeance and that's the question that is raised in the movie but it's never really answered the movie has no interest in like ha- leaning you one way or the other and then sure. at the end they're like 
well, do we want to do it? And then it's sort of like, well, don't be limp dick about it. Like, exactly. It's just some <laughs> pussy shit at the end. You're just like, no, like you had a point. Your movie yeah. had a point. And then you like somebody must have just said to them, like, you can't end the movie with them going to murder an unrelated person. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't feel right. And like, that's the point, though. People love Francis McDermott. You can't do this. <laughs> but that that's. From what you tell me, that seems like the better end of that movie. It would have been a perfect ending. Yeah, I think it yeah. would actually. I would have loved the movie. I think if it ended that way, and that's now I'm largely like, what I heard about that movie is a lot of people being like, "Oh yeah, it's interesting," but then they kind mm-hmm. of fumble it in the last second. Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, it's just it, it's it's not a bad movie. It's really entertaining. Everyone's great in it. I love all the B plots with uh, Sam Rockwell and mm-hmm. like. All of the violence towards the cops and and showing them why they're lazy and not doing their job, like it's all really good and interesting. And then like the way it like sort of ties itself up is just like really seems strange. Yeah, but it's a, still a fun movie. Our dark but good movie. Yeah, I would still probably recommend it, but yeah, uh, just turn it off uh, when they're in the <laughs> 30, car. There's gonna come a moment. Seconds. There's gonna come a moment where you're gonna see them driving in a car, and that's when you turn it off. Don't wait for the credits. Just <laughs> shut it off, and you're gonna like the movie a lot better. Yeah, uh, Chris, what did you watch this week? Uh, I watched a bunch of stuff, but I guess the things that really stood out for me. Uh, this first one's kind of a, a bullshit one, but uh, Molly and I were uh, up quite late the other night, and we watched. Um, uh, last weekend, and we watched uh, Disney's Sleeping Beauty with oh, the uh, okay. sound off to a uh, an EDM house music stream oh, yeah, that dude. we were watching uh, <laughs> on Twitch, uh, and just kind of were were chatting while this was going on, but also like just watching this movie visually, mm-hmm. uh, and it's um, it's gorgeous. It really, um, it really is. Yeah, it, it's been a while since I've watched like a real like classic first era Disney movie. And those movies look absolutely like nothing else uh, in in just a, like a miraculously pristine, beautiful way. And also like the storytelling is is simple enough that you can tell what's going on at all time by mm-hmm. just like watching it. Um, and, you know, maybe a few sequences are, are less narrative because they're doing songs. But I mean, I, I don't care about like the, the songs at all in that. Um, it was just a, a really... I like the songs. Uh, I don't even know what they are, but... Uh, it's like the just Gaston a, song and stuff. Sleeping, in Sleeping Beauty. Beauty. Oh, never mind. This is the one from <laughs> the Sleeping Beauty. It's the one uh, where she picks her finger on the little spindle, and there's yeah. the three fairies, and then the uh, Maleficent turns into a dragon at the end. And yeah, Prince Charming is there. Her name what? is Aurora. Yeah, you never seen Sleeping Beauty? I don't think I've ever seen it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great movie to watch to watch silent. It's from like is it the first one? No, it's it's. I think it's kind Snow of the White end the of that first run of mm-hmm. um, of movies for they do. I think they after that they kind of reconfigured their production cycle and and got into like kind of these still good but like cheaper animations of like the Black 60s Cauldron movies and uh, Great or, Mouse Detective. Well, the, I also watched Great Mouse Detective this week. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's then like the 60s stuff, which is more like Jungle Book and... Um, oh, Rescuers. And Rescuers and uh, Robin Hood and stuff. But like the first like beautiful fairy tale um, animations, I think it's one of the last ones. Um, 
but yeah, I, I recommend watching that. Uh, turn on your favorite, uh, you know, throw on a dope smoker or uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever else you would like to to just soundtrack it and um, a swan's just watch album. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it would go with pretty much anything. That's what, like were you, one of my favorite things is like watching something really beautiful with the sound off and just putting on some music. Yeah, yeah. we used were to you, um, uh, enhanced at all. Uh, I uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I was, Were I was you on leveled something. up? Were you powering yeah, up? I, I was leveled up. <laughs> you could tell me what it, exactly I, it was afterwards. I had my I had, I had tapped my substance card. <laughs> Good. Yeah, we used to do that with um, Planet Earth a lot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's and there was this uh, fantastic memory I have of of uh, being on mushrooms with a bunch of friends of mine watching mm. Planet Earth with um, uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor on behind it. <laughs> oh wow! And nice. there's a scene where like uh, these like caribou are like running from a cheetah or something like some sort of scene like that and the you know the cheetah like runs it down and like rips its fucking throat out and kills it and we're all just like watching it in like utter horror <laughs> and then there's this just moment like where we end it and crying and, yeah we just like literally turn it off and we're just all just like breathing really heavy looking at each other and then one of my friends is just like yes <laughs> and we're like you were the cheetah <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> fucked up, of the of the original first series of Planet Earth, uh, the Caves one is definitely the trippiest. Mm. Oh, yes, I, I was uh, always in the Caves. I don't um, think I've seen that one. And then uh, what else? What else have I watched, watched this week? Um, you know, uh, why don't I go with this? Just last or the other night, uh, we watched. We put on Clueless, yes. which is a okay. five. Five out of five star, perfect movie. Uh, <laughs> I can rewatch uh, that so frequently. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, I I kind I'm like looking through my letterbox and like trying to see what to I'd like to say about. But, but as we were talking before we started recording, our, I feel like my watching habits are so uninteresting right now because I'm very much letting myself be guided by the streaming services and just like literally whatever it puts in front of me, I'll like yeah. start on. And it 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 really takes some proactivity to um to find something new in that. Uh, but what I will say is I, I just got upgraded to the HBO Max, and HBO Max does have the entire TCM uh, library of movies on it. And there are some Turner real good picks in there. And I kind of am tempted to maybe just go through alphabetically and watch like all of those. They've got like all the Kurosawa movies, a bunch of oh, classic nice. noirs, uh, tons of, of French New Wave stuff in there. Um, it, it seems like a, a, a good project to just like go through alphabetically and really uh, clean up uh, yeah. some of my my classic film watchings. Now this is no commercial for HBO Max, but how much is that? How much does that cost? <laughs> I don't know because I, I had subscribed I to HBO like Go for a while. I have so HBO Go, yeah, but there's like nothing on it that. Up. It uh, it automatically updates. What? No, HBO Now is the one that automatically. Oh updates. yes, yeah. No, I have my I have my mom's HBO. <laughs> right. I don't think that's H- getting upgraded. HBO now is the one you have to pay for. Uh-huh. But as always, I will advocate for streaming or VPNs. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Clueless since I was in high school. Oh, uh, watch perfect. it again. It rocks. What, a, what an absolute gem. Like, just unbelievably <laughs> perfect movie. Uh, yeah. Every part of it from the performances, the script, um, the, the, the set design and costume design, the the uh directing it's like it's la in the yeah, 90s yeah it's la la in the <laughs> 90s oh, i feel of, like home yeah a kind of fairy tale la in the 90s okay uh, i it, remember she's driving a jeep a lot yeah 
its structure is really interesting too because it's 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 kind of like a you know just like a series of scenes rather than like a classic three act yeah stru- structure I was gonna say, um, I feel like I can tell you every single thing that happens in that movie, but I could not tell you what it's about. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I could tell you th- like the story of it. Yeah, exactly. Like they basically like it's basically her just trying to solve a series of problems in other people's lives, and each one kind of like wraps up as a vignette, and then she yeah. like realizes that she uh, has a crush on her stepbrother, <laughs> and then goes oh. for it. <laughs> yeah. That that part's a little weird, but hey, it's Emma. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna yeah. do? The source material is classic uh, is film, two hundred years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Cool. Yeah. I will we'll rewatch Clueless. I think soon. Give it a give it a give it a watch. Give it a go. It's worth it. What did you watch? Uh. So the first thing I wanted to mention was I rewatched or I've watched Midsommar. Mm-hmm. Um, the long version. Oh, the, the three-hour version. Okay, was there, there's like an uncut Midsommar. Yeah, so it it was famously a three-hour f- cut, and then they demanded that he cut half an hour out of it, and so he mm-hmm. did. Um, when I've I think I've mentioned this on the show before. We've talked about this movie a little bit when Jeremy watched it. Um, when I first saw the movie, I liked it, but I was having literally the worst panic attack (laughs) in the theater. Like I went to the Alamo, I ate a burger and then immediately started having a panic attack, Um, which I don't usually have. It was very weird. But anyway, so I liked it, but it was, I felt very clouded. It felt like a fever dream I had. Yeah. So I watched it again last night because I wanted to get a better handle on and I wanted to see the long version because I really like Ari Aster. And I remember having some real problems with the pacing of, of the, of the theatrical cut. Right. Um, it just felt like it was like never letting anything happen, even though it was so long. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that this cut moves a lot of stuff around and uh, really lets everything breathe in this way that that it it's so long. It, it's it's a three hour long movie and it feels like very long. But honestly, I think it feels a little shorter than the theatrical cut. Just because, because the <laughs> because the pacing is better, because you have like once they start dying, you really have like this this more more of a connection with their relationship and everyone else's relationship. They right. feel like real characters, and in the theatrical cut, I feel like they skip a lot of the character building, right? Just to get yeah. to the point, uh, and that kind of ruined it a little for me. Hmm. So this really feels, and there's a lot more stuff about them being like Nazis. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, there's a quite a few more scenes where like they talk about why they use runes and why they like have sort of this tie to like um, Swedish ancestry and how long that's been going on and right. why they're a death cult. Um, and that sort of makes the themes of them killing the brown people first and the the black guys sort of trying to research it and then like the white guy you know sort of stealing all of his research for his own purposes sort of feel better and like have more weight to them right um so i liked it a lot more wasn't the first guy who dies is the is the white guy who pisses on their sacred thing right no i believe it's actually the um the two other random people who are the, the oh the boyfriend like girlfriend the extra yeah. people yeah they leave in the night um 
the boyfriend leaves without her supposedly and then mm-hmm. she's like where did my boyfriend go and they're like he went to the station <laughs> um and then she dies and then she he went to the murder store <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and then he pees on the log and then they, right. they kill him and and uh the and cheaty um at the same time so it's a pretty i thought it holds up even better i i think i don't i still don't think it's as good as hereditary but mm-hmm. the long version i think is pretty on par um, if, if i have not seen it would you recommend going right into the to the extended cut i was thinking about that like i think if you're gonna sit down for a two and a half hour movie anyway yes. why not just yeah. go all three yeah i just absolutely three. i haven't seen it but i completely agree uh, I, generally with that mentality I'm definitely of the school that uh, every every movie should be either 85 minutes or 185 minutes long. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I totally agree. And I think that this movie definitely benefits. And also, like, a lot of the more, like, like the whole opening death scene with her family is, is all differently arranged and differently mm-hmm. paced. And it works so much better. Um, it Because watching in the theater, I was like, wow, Ari Aster, you're really going full, like shock jock on us um but this feels more tasteful everything feels a little more tasteful yeah um, so would I you would... say the same thing about the watchman long cut that you would recommend it over like oh, if yeah, you've never you seen did, it did didn't you just recently watch both watchman and the extended watchman i just watched the extended watchman how did it how did that go I well, she didn't it, even get the the real one, the the long extended one with <laughs> the cartoons. Apparently, there's the one that has cartoons in it. Oh, and I okay, yeah, because he made like the full cartoon of the pirate guy, and that mm-hmm. was like a DVD extra. And then there's like right. a four hour version that actually cuts that in, like where yeah. it is in the comic. But I think that's a fan cut, basically. Like okay. it's just like enters anyway. Uh, yeah. I feel the same way about Watchmen. Yeah. Where it's like if you're gonna watch a two and a half hour movie, why not watch a three and a half three hour movie that sort of feels a little better yeah but also even if it doesn't feel better honestly it's like at that point it's like washing dishes like once your hands are wrinkly like just <laughs> totally. wash the rest of the <laughs> just dishes watch the fucking dishes <laughs> so uh, you, you never f- have to watch the other one do you think that watchmen the, the film should be reclaimed or or, or has any possibility for that are yeah. you on like it's actually good yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah. this with Will. I, it's actually good. Yeah, it's actually good. I, yeah. I would rewatch that. I'm not quite as down on uh, Zack Snyder as a lot of people, as, as some people are. I don't think that he is like one of the abs- absolute worst. And if well, you're going to make movies like that, at least you do them with some style. And I he thought does. Man of Steel was absolute trash, and I haven't even seen the the Batman versus Superman. So, and I don't think i i think his style is interesting and he has some vision which Mm -hmm. is more than you can say for a lot of people directing marvel movies right um but he isn't good yeah (laughs) and i think but i think watchman's story and content is so strong that even his dumbness can't yeah take away what's cool about it yeah i guess the thing thing is like maybe yeah he his dumbness like he i'm sure you went into all this before but i think my general my general takeaway from from that movie was like it feels like he really didn't get it but there's some cool sequences yes so our <laughs> our working theory has been and and listeners are probably tired of hearing this at this point Sorry but our working th- but whatever who cares our working theory <laughs> has been that like because of how dumb Zack snyder is he was able to like let the story actually shine through because sure. he doesn't get it and so he just is able to be like it sounds epic when he says you're living the american dream so let's like really put emphasis on that yeah and like he doesn't really 
realize. Like, <laughs> right. Because what we said before is if a smart director, like if somebody like, I don't know, Terry Gilliam or, you know, somebody oh, well, who... Terry Gilliam before like 2005. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, I forgot what his politics are. Uh, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I, I can't think of who would do it a good yeah, job. Yeah, because Terry Gilliam was going to do it for, for like a second, right? I feel like that's right. Some Some British... A uh, smart person. I don't even know who's a good director anymore. But the point is, is that if a if a smart director did it, it would be impossible to not turn it into a satire or a dark right, comedy. Right, right. And the fact that he completely sidesteps, like knowing about what the, he's trying to say, it yeah. makes it real. <laughs> yeah. And like completely earnest. And that's just kind of how it had to be. I think. Yeah. Anyway, the other thing I watched was uh, Freddy Got Fingered. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hell yes. I love that movie so much. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was my boyfriend uh, taking him on an odyssey of absolutely terrible, shitty, the stupidest movies of all time odyssey. Yeah. Because I've shown him in the since we've started Gen Loss, I've shown him Beavis and Butthead to America, which is also fantastic. Great. Mm-hmm. Jackass. Um, a, an American classic. A masterpiece. Yeah. So. I think Freddy Got Fingered is uh, not quite up to par of those two Madness. movies, but it's great. It's Bad a fucking take. hilarious movie. It's just like a, a half a star. <laughs> I, just, I think, it, but I think it also va- uh, uh, benefits from being maybe more auteurist than those movies because it is <laughs> such like a weird singular uh, singular vision. Literally, there is no other film that even comes close to what that movie is. Yeah, it's insane it's so insane and like it's and it's not even like um like it it, it, it's it's impossible to even put a finger on like what this movie is except that it's just like (laughs) if you weren't there at a specific place in time it has to be even crazier because you imagine somebody who didn't like watch the tom green show like who did who didn't live during that time chris didn't know who tom green was really so he didn't have he grew up without cable uh-huh. and didn't like know he lived in like the woods in Michigan so he didn't like know what it was mm-hmm. he, I, he, I didn't even realize how unprepared he was for the movie we were yeah. I just told him the cultural stupid. the cultural context of of Tom Green <laughs> I didn't even know I I assumed he knew who Tom Green was like e- even like in some aspect that he dated Drew Barrymore or something nothing he didn't know who it was at all right. and he was like who is this guy afterwards <laughs> what he was a, like, what a weird fig- figure. Because Tom Green feels like a YouTube star mm-hmm. oh, from before YouTube was yeah. a, a thing, right? Mm-hmm. But, well, he was also like the pre-BAM. Like he was always messing yeah. with his parents. Like right. he, he invented everything. <laughs> uh, and Re- no one like no one gave him any credit for it because it was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when he uh, got testicular cancer and then chronicled his whole journey yeah. of getting mm-hmm. a ball removed on the show? Yeah, uh, and, and nobody like was go- sure if he was serious, and everyone yeah, was like, like "Is it funny way. that it's testicular cancer?" <laughs> <laughs> Are you making fun of people with testicular cancer, or do you just have testicular? Well, but cancer? then also you're like, because he's Tom Green, you're like, "Is it funny that it's the balls? Like, is yes. that funny?" <laughs> Is it funnier than if it was like, say, a lymph node or whatever? And I think Tom Green would say, "Yes, it is. Of course, Absolutely. Of course, it's yeah. funny that I have ball cancer. That's hilarious." Yeah, and and he that's how he, he kept saying it the whole time. And then there was that episode where he finally is like going into surgery and he like cries and it's yeah. like, oh, this is not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the movie is um, 
shocking because it's <laughs> it's so meta and it feels so current the acting is to a level where you don't even know when it's bad or when it's incredible mm-hmm. um there's almost no other characters in the movie but him his friend and his dad um and even his oh, friend and, is and, like minimally wheel- a character and the it, girlfriend his dad is ripped torn right mm-hmm. yeah yes and i haven't watched it since high school but i remember loving it it's a movie about a nutcase who is good at drawing and wants to uh, go to California to become an animator and his dad is an abusive weirdo who <laughs> hates him. And then for whatever reason, he decides to t- say to a therapist that his dad molested his brother. <laughs> and then that's then it just like ruins his family and he becomes, <laughs> he becomes an animator. Uh, and he makes a, a show about his family as zebra centaurs. Yeah, the zebra centaur is a very funny concept. <laughs> yeah. And then uh that's it. He wins and he gets all the money, he spends it on shooting his dad in the face with cum in Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> what an absolute gem. It's fantastic. Great film. If that if fantastic you film. enjoyed um if you enjoyed our coverage of Jackass 2 if you enjoyed <laughs> Beavis and Butthead to America, you will love Freddy Got Fingered. It is singular in its insanity and stupidness. I'm sure you've heard the the Roger Ebert thing about it, where he'd <laughs> initially given it zero stars when he saw it, and like had this whole like dramatic uh, review of it, where he's like, it's it's just garbage and like makes me wonder like what the fuck is even happening to this world anymore and like yeah. you know, this is the death of culture yeah exactly and then like he did a like looking back thing years later where he's like you know i have to give some credit here where like over the years <laughs> i've reviewed like so many movies i see everything i have to see everything because that's my job and you know so much of what is purported to be like good and smart and like emotional has just blended together into this sort of like gray that just kind of like makes up a tapestry of the years of my life and then some things stand out and you must admit freddie got fingered <laughs> is extremely memorable i will never forget it <laughs> it's incredibly memorable <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a great movie, and I think everyone should watch it if you have that kind of sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's a weird one, though. And watch some of the Tom Green show. There's some really fantastic bits in there, man. Because when he was on MTV, he'd been doing that show on public access for like a decade already. And Mm -hmm. so he had like all the best skits just like saved up for when he started the show. And so it's all just like the first season of the Tom Green show is just like nothing but bangers. Every single sketch is so good. <laughs> like the one where he goes to like the subway and he just makes him keep putting lettuce on the sandwich. <laughs> and he just keeps looking up and being like, is this enough lettuce? And it's just like a whole thing of lettuce. Oh, yeah, that's in the movie, basically. Yeah. He's like, hey, there's not enough cheese on this cheese sandwich. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> putting all the cheese on it. Yeah, great bit dumb movie yeah so dumb uh it's been a while since culture has produced something like that or the jackass guys and i i I was trying to hone this kind of take a few years ago when maybe when the paul the paul brother did the suicide forest thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and i was like trying to like stumble through what the qualitative difference is between like tom green and the jackass guys torturing their themselves or you know employees at like a subway Mm -hmm. and the energy that like the Paul Brothers or that type of YouTuber brings into the world. And there just seems to be a, a kind of 
undercurrent of cruelty but, uh, behind it. And I guess what the thing is is that the way that Tom Green and the Jackass guys projected themselves was as geeks in the most literal term, mm-hmm. like right. a, a, a carnival freak who even though they might go in, like if Tom Green goes in and like harasses basically a subway employee making them put an absurd amount of lettuce on a sandwich, <laughs> they still phrase it in a way that they are the that Tom Green is the butt of the joke, that he is the weird loser who is making this thing happen versus right. like the Paul boys who are like Look at look at us. We're such fucking chads. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's perverse when you think you're cool for what you're doing. That's yeah. what makes it feel gross. Is when like you think you're like a cool guy. Yeah. Even if it's and not for what you're doing. Even if just if you think you're cool, I think it becomes bad. And obviously, Tom Green <laughs> was cool and probably thought that he was cool. He had a show on MTV called The Tom Green Show. That's cool, right? Uh, but he was able to project. Or and stage these things in such a way in which he did not, where he was still the ultimately the butt of the joke, right? And yeah. uh, people need to learn from that energy. I still think that like Larry Charles is like uh, when he when I saw that Larry Charles movies like uh, when he interviewed Bunk. Oh yeah, Bunk. Like that guy is that guy is the Zoomer jackass. Yeah, like, exactly. that's that's Absolutely. peak. Con- it's so funny. Dude, Everything what? he did is so funny. Dude, uh, is that guy still alive? Yeah, he 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 got uh, he had like surgery, and he like he 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 IG lived his like surgery, and it was really crazy. Um, yeah, but Boot I just want to say sauce. I will have to uh, look this up later. Watch that later. <laughs> but before we get into the movie, I just want to say I hope I never ever have a take about anything that Roger Ebert had about Freddie got fingered. <laughs> like the idea that anything is like, this is the downfall of society. Like this art is bad because it makes, it isn't funny or something like, right. fuck you. Like I, whatever the zoomer, whatever generation is after that, like, I don't care. I will always be like, it's not for me, but I kind of get it. <laughs> I hope yeah. that I'll always be like that, but I could, I can totally see like, I can't imagine what that thing will be. <laughs> but I can imagine a version of a thing that I'll see where it, it will be so unrelatable to me that, like, I maybe won't say, like, this is the end of the West or whatever. <laughs> but I maybe will, I maybe will say, like, I don't think I understand media anymore. <laughs> I tried a long time ago to, in my head, separate out the opinions of what I like and dislike or enjoy or don't enjoy and what I think is objectively good or objectively mm-hmm. bad right. and try very much to uh to only publicly state the things of whether i enjoy something or don't enjoy something because that is subjective and liking or disliking something there are many things that are objectively good that i don't like mm-hmm. or, or objectively <laughs> bad that i do like that's fine that's personal preference it is not for me to tell other people whether i think that something is good or bad in some kind of objective universal scale of those things only rather whether i personally enjoy it or disenjoy it yeah i mean i agree in terms of like art like there is no objectiveness like to like taste i don't think to me personally like obviously i feel very different when it comes to economics or something yes (laughs) but uh when it comes to like is this movie funny no one knows there's no answer yeah do you think it is and uh the answer for Freddie Got Fingered is yes. Yes, it's definitely. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get into Repo Man. Yes. Hell yeah. Right. 
Dun, 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 dun. All right, Repo Man is a movie that came out way earlier than I thought it came out. 1984, right? <laughs> yes. 1984, directed by Alex Cox. Alex Cox. Um, and it stars Milo Estevez and a bunch of other people. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Of course. Um, the great Harry Dean Stanton. Lots of uh, nice... Um, and isn't there someone named like Dick Long Dick, or something? Dick, Dick Rude. <laughs> Dick, Dick Rude. Rude. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett is in it. Uh, yeah, the Jimmy circle Buffett's jerks in are it? in it. Yeah, the circle jerks are in it. I was reading the Criterion uh, collection. Uh, their little write-up thing. Their little write-up collection of it. Um, and it had a line in it that I have to quote to you guys because it's it's something that you would only hear about this movie in a Criterion collection <laughs> uh, lineup. Uh, write up of it. So give me one second to look this up. Okay. Um, in the meantime, Bryn, why don't you do uh, like a a little review, a little recap, okay. recap, two minute recap of the movie. It is a movie where it we open uh, on a cop pulling a guy over, and that cop looks in the trunk and gets destroyed, turned into a skeleton. He's vaporized. The movie is about Emilio Estevez is a punk who works at a grocery store. He immediately gets fired because of how much of a punk he is. He's way too um, punk. He falls in with a group of repo men, which are uh, a company that um, they repossess, repossess cars, cars when people can't make the payments anymore. That's right. right. And so he does. He thinks that's lame and cop shit and then immediately changes his mind as he does about <laughs> literally everything in this movie. Um, <laughs> he has no morals. He has no stance on anything. His most said line, I think, is "fuck that." Um, <laughs> yeah, he he thinks everything sucks until it benefits him in some way, and then he's awesome and he's cool with it. So he falls in with this gang, and then they go around repossessing cars. They find out about this car that is worth twenty thousand dollars if they can get it. Yeah, and um, surprise! So it's the car that has of, the vaporizy thing in the trunk. Right. Uh, and then he meets a girl who has evidence of aliens that he thinks are sausages. Um, and th- she's running from some sort of alphabet soup guy, uh, yeah. government G-Man. people. Yeah. Yeah. General and, G-Man. Uh, General G-Man. Men in black. <laughs> and uh, she, he doesn't know that. He just wants to fuck her. And so, uh, but he doesn't realize that the car she's looking for is also the car he's looking for. Anyway, everyone's looking for this car. Bunch of shit happens. Finally, they find the car, and uh, it has aliens in it. <laughs> yeah, and then they fly the car to space. And then they That's fly right. the car to space, and it's glowing green. <laughs> yes. That's right. <laughs> it's just like an extremely uh, 1984 depiction of like Atomic Age nonsense. Like It very mm-hmm. much like is of its... I was not at all surprised to find out that it came out the same year as uh, the Toxic Avenger. Sure. Oh, the, yeah. They're very much, like, cut from the same cloth of, like, like the idea of, like, nuclear stuff of being just, like, glowing green goop. <laughs> <laughs> that has special powers. Yeah, it just makes people dead skeletons. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally uh, neutronizes yeah. them. Yeah. But, you know, I, it's it's very aware of, of all that stuff that it's, it's trying to... Uh, to think about and even the way that, I mean every part of this movie is so wonderful and just like the way that it, it depicts blasted out uh, like LA. downtown at Los Angeles is mm-hmm. wonderful um, the way that it per, uh, uh, depicts the, the, the energetic nihilism of the punk scene around that time is wonderful 
and I mean nihilism in uh, very in the in the cynical way because as Bryn says, Emilio Estevez is punk is like so nihilistic and thinks that is like a leading value that he is able to be turned into a reactionary literally as easy as changing a shirt right yeah uh which at is, any uh, moment at any moment <laughs> yeah and i think and i you know um you know the, 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 this movie knows what it's doing about that it's not good yeah. because at the uh you know from watching it from down line being like oh see how reactionary this punk stuff was they didn't even know it's like no, alex cox knew when he was making it like no yeah this is this is about how uh i guess like to get you know to get immediately political about it how like the the the, like generalized uh anxieties of capitalism will just flip anyone on Mm -hmm. to any uh any stream as soon as they as soon as they hear about it yeah well and it's about like i saw it as kind of about a um like a certain point that happens in in the life of people who are involved in a subculture where you know when you like i don't know if either of you have painted very much um a little bit but like never they uh when so when i was a kid and i was in painting classes they would always say like you can't use black paint just like we they would never let you use black paint because they were like when you use it like it's so powerful like it will ruin every color like if you mix a tiny bit of it into a color it will just like completely wreck it and i've always seen that as kind of you use brown yeah you use brown you use like a contrasting color to try to make darker colors right Mm-hmm. And um, I've always seen that as this sort of like great metaphor for like what happens when subculture and like this sort of like youthful sort of interest in a subculture uh, collides with like the realities of capitalism and like what a life under capitalism is. Yeah. And so you see it at the beginning with Emilio Estevez in his like punk world with like his punk friends just existing. We're in that just way. all. I just love that that the introduction of the punk scene that's just an empty parking lot where they're all just shoving each other yeah, for no reason. There's no band playing. But there's music. It's Absolute loud music. music. But, they're just, but they're, it's not even like an organized mosh pit. It's just, just no. shoving buddies. Yeah. Um, but then you see it again with his parents because his parents are hippies and they're like, but but you've seen what's happened to them as former hippies, now adults, who still are like hanging on to this like aesthetic remnant of like what their past life was, but now mm. are like so glued to the television and so like divorced from what their beliefs previously were that they're like sending like Bibles 80s to TV to, evangelical television. Yeah. Um, and so what you see over the course of the film though is 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 what happens when this punk guy has to get a job and then mm. has to like make a living in that job and like he sucks at it for the most part but he like keeps doing it because he's like i don't know what else i'm gonna do there's no bailout coming for me like yeah. his parents don't have that money anymore they bought bibles for guatemala or whatever it was <laughs> yes <laughs> uh and then all the other friends because the, the other b plots of this movie kind of track uh like some of the other punks and do it going about what they what they would do mm-hmm. uh and all of them are like petty criminals yeah but the way that they project the petty cr- crime in this is also so hilariously like blase about it you can't even tell if they're doing it to survive or just doing it for kicks because that you know every way they describe doing crimes is like yeah let's go do some crimes let's Let's get sushi let's get sushi and not pay (laughs) (laughs) well that's the thing it feels so uh the movie's so cynical towards everyone yeah like you you every time you think you get a handle on like what it's who it thinks the hero is it kind of like flips it on you because like you know Emilio Estevez's name is Otto Otto uh you know is like 
I'm not going to be a fucking cop and like steal people's cars or whatever. Like fuck repo men or whatever. And then he immediately is like, Oh, it's gives me lots of money. Sure. I'll take it. (laughs) So it's like, well, it's not auto. Right. Auto sucks. Um, and then like the, his like punk friends who are like oh you turned on us or whatever like are so lame yeah and they're (laughs) They're like like, violent and terrible to like people who don't deserve it yeah they're like yeah let's let's go do eat sushi and not pay (laughs) and it's like it's it's a joke they're a joke as well and there's you know then you're like well maybe harry dean stanton is is, like the noble like uh like old western hero yeah he's like we man live, yeah we live by a code and then he immediately like breaks that code yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. he's like always just like out for his own self it's like and what even kind the of scene code where, is this and even the scene where he's telling him about the code you know which is like basically the asimov's robot rules thou shall not do ha- do harm or by inaction cause harm to happen to a car right it's like yeah. the basic shit that he's telling him over like doing lines of speed off of a clipboard while <laughs> looking at a bunch of people getting their car towed and saying ordinary fucking people man but i, I think that's him. the idea right is that like it's this sort of uh like noble nihilism that people start to believe in when they when they interact with capitalism too yeah, long Yeah, when they're forced to come up with their own rules because mm-hmm. everything else there are no rules and everything else yeah and so he's right. seeing these people as like sure they're scumbags but they have no they they have no illusion about the fact that they're scumbags the repo men mm-hmm. know that what they do is bad but they're surviving you know and that's what they believe i guess yeah, and like, so, I mean, just talking about, like, what's so great about this, I mean, it's it's kind of an ultimate vibe film, because the, the as the plot is, or maybe not the ultimate vibe film, but what works for me is just the vibe, because it is just, like, a lot of people cruising around with, like, great L.A. hardcore mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. played behind, and then this wonderful, like, kind of, uh, like, punk surf, like, Mexican punk surf music by the plugs <laughs> playing... While you just watch these like uh, like amoral drifters cruise around L.A. in the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, which is like I could watch the movie if it was just that and didn't have all like the <laughs> gags that went went with it. But then like e- literally everything in the movie is a joke, uh, right? Like every action, every line is like the more you see it, you realize this is like a, a joke for it. Every thing put on screen is a gag and. Uh, it's 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 just it's hard to uh to uh, um not love it, especially if you come from somebody who or come from a background where you like once either idolized punks or tried to be one or uh-huh. <laughs> you know have if you've ever hated your job and thought jobs were bad. It's yeah. So I I was interested in this because I hadn't seen it since probably high school. Where it is like a, it's one of the legendary you know punk films. It's one of the things that's passed down to you from on high. Where it's like if you want to be a punk, you got at some point watch Repo Man. It's a classic punk film, you know. And and I hadn't seen it really? since high school, and I feel like I remember it being more about aliens and more centered around punk and less what it is which is like most of it is just about being a repo man yeah. <laughs> it I really is surprising felt- like for a movie called repo man you would probably expect it but most of the movie is just about what it's like being a repo man no i totally agree because i saw it in high school or college i don't remember but i remember being like that movie was fucking nuts mm-hmm. and like i hadn't seen it since then and i watched it and i was like it's kind of just a movie about being a repo man and that has like some weird shit around it with the aliens and stuff 
because it opens so strong, you know, yeah, it yeah, opens right. with this cop and he's like, oh, don't look in the backyard, in the fucking trunk. And then he turns into a skeleton in this really amazing, like, looking yeah. practical effect. Uh, yeah. Like, beautiful. All the effects in this movie are so fucking sick looking. Yeah, and again, like, it closes a- on a glowing car flying out of L.A. <laughs> into outer space. Like, the bookends yeah. of it are really wild for a movie that, again, is just about being a repo man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, that, that glowing car effect, by the way, completely practical. Really? Uh, yeah. In the in the very end, well, at least it, when they're in the impound lot, instead of like making it glow and post, they just painted it with reflective paint. Huh. Yes. The Interesting. Whole thing. And yeah, then the just whole like car. yeah, just green reflective paint. Yeah, just blue. I don't know how they made it float though. I assume one of those like uh, magnetic lift things. Maybe. Oh. They okay. are in a junkyard, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, there, there's a ton of stuff about you know. There's a whole B plot with like the this Mexican gang who is also like stealing cars, but they're just thieves yeah. rather than repo men. And there's like a whole thing about like why are they any different than us? Yeah, <laughs> it's right. like, well we're doing it for the man. Um, and then, uh, but that's just like a thing that's happening. It's all flavor. Like yeah. the movie is all flavor. And you know the the basic story is let's find this big car, you know car that'll get us a lot of money. But uh, and then they do. <laughs> yeah. But uh, their weird repair guy is the only one who like really sees clearly, right? What's that guy's name? Uh, that would be. I don't remember. But his name. They're was... all named after. Uh, is that Miller? They're all named after yeah. beers. Yeah. Miller, <laughs> Bud, and Light are, uh, are the three main repo men. Right, but he is the one who has of multiple scenes just being like, you know you got to open your third eye. Like everything is being controlled. Right. It's a lattice. Everything is a lattice of coincidence. Yeah. Have you ever read diuretics? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's, (laughs) uh, there's like a ton of like little things in it. Like that all kind of add up to this very weird, like you're saying, it's like a very weird vibe. Like all, if you haven't seen the movie, like all of the products in the movie have like this fake, like, just like block lettering. It's that very say similar like to beer. they live. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like how the, the billboards and they live look, but it's even funnier than if it says beer. Cause the first time I noticed it is the scene where, where he's talking to Emilio Estevez about the code and they do speed. And then he's like, let's go get a drink. And then they're holding the six pack of beers that say drink on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even uh, say beer. <laughs> uh, so again, I mean, this is all from the IMDb trivia page. I, this is actually something I just found out, even though I've seen this movie a billion times and thought that it was intentional, that those were just Ralph's brand generic products during the 80s. That's what? right. Yeah. But really? They, but they, they specifically bought those uh, because according to some internet rumor I saw, he like, no one would give him product placement money. Mm. <laughs> like he was like, well, I'm not going to use your fucking products in the movie if they're not going to pay for that advertisement. Right. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. So he like just bought like generic shit and That's put it everywhere. Cause I did and notice it's funny cause there was a liquor counter that had real liquor on it. No, the, the liquor counter in the liquor store ha- is generic as well. Yeah. In the shot, where it's blurry, you can see where it says like Jim Beam. Yeah. But then in the close-up shots, they're uh, all covered with like just things that say liquor. That's <laughs> or like yeah, or just gin. <laughs> yeah, just gin or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, there's it's a ton funny. of like weird choices in this movie that like I think make it something more bigger than its parts. I guess. Right. Uh, yeah, because I mean, it does. It also does kind of give you 
that like I think it, it does a good job of representing that kind of like perpetual hangover mm-hmm. feeling that like existing in a world where you have to like constantly in, interact with things like brands and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and and jobs and stuff uh, gives you because everything. And especially if you identify at all with Emilio Estevez, which I'm sure everybody to a part does. Like there is the Emilio <laughs> I Estevez. Don't. Well, there's a part of Otto's character in this I think that that appeals to the sense of anybody who does just want to say fuck it to everything. Right. Um which might not be, you know, the dominant probably hopefully isn't the dominant part of your mm-hmm. your character, but but I think that that like uh amoral n- like wanting to to believe that amoral nihilism is like a value is is something at least partially identifiable uh in that it would and just watching him stumble through this bizarre like sci-fi tinged wasteland world um it 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 has like kind of it has something that is recognizable i think to everyone yeah yeah i i also i found a weird like Mm, like familiarity for this particular historic moment in this and maybe i'm just like kind of like uh like reaching for it because i'm trying to make sense of like what is happening in our world currently Mm -hmm. but i kind of like was watching this thinking of the repo men as kind of being like the police in a way where you constantly see this kind of like insular world of theirs where you know there's that scene where I, I can't remember if it is the code scene or if it's another scene where he's like looking at the the, the normal people and he's just like regular people fucking despise them going along yeah. and making their way it's just like existing yeah. the way they do and it kind of just made me think of this like this like brotherhood of cops sort of thing that's that we're seeing now where like you know the there's was it 57 cops in buffalo who who resigned and then yeah. all of these cops who showed up to the courthouse to applaud those guys and the way that they're like very clearly drawing this line right now between like we don't see ourselves as the same as you guys and like they can't make that more clear to us and and the repo men are kind of I mean, again, maybe I'm just kind of like reading too far into yeah, it. Yeah, no, yeah, it's I, hard I, because I feel like there's a certain level of like it, it. It juxtaposes so many of those things together. It's hard not to take that from the movie. Even and especially with this movie being so old and like I don't know where its lines are, but like the fact that he's like I'm a punk and like this is my thing, and then like he immediately is just like I'm a repo man. <laughs> I'm a thing. It's like. And then, like, the cops are sort of just there as, like, this other gang. Yeah. Like, it sort of kind of seems like it's saying that specifically, like, if if all, you, if all you're looking for is just, like, a sense of belonging, it, it's all the same. Like, there's no difference. Yeah, and it's the same thing with, like, the Rodriguez brothers being, like, a criminal gang and then just, and, like, the Repo Men doing the exact same thing as them, but they, yeah. they just get to do it under, like, some kind of banner of legitimacy. Yeah, the other, the other and s- only kind of. Yeah. The other scene that uh, that kind of stuck out with me along those lines on this viewing was the scene where they're um, all sitting around, uh, getting wasted in the lot, and uh, Miller, the 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 uh, like kind of spacey maintenance guy, is mm-hmm. is trying to convince the rest of the the ma- repo men that uh, um, John Wayne is is was an word yeah is gay <laughs> yeah um and none of the rest of the guys are they're all denying like no way there's no way he was a homo or whatever like that that and it's just this weird like 
scene of them all trying to like reinforce masculinity or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Uh, well, that was a funny like, scene because I feel like because one of the first things you hear Otto say is when Harry Dean Stanton like drives up next to him and sort of tricks him into being a repo man. It's yeah, so, yeah, which it's is like, so weird. It's like, hey, kid, want to make ten dollars real quick? <laughs> He's like, fuck off, queer. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, wow, okay. Well, but that's a and very, I, like, that. that's a very, like, early 80s L.A. thing, too, where, like, yeah. I don't know if you've ever read, like, like any biography of, like, an, an old punk will have, like, some part of it where they're just like, and there were perverts all over L.A. constantly <laughs> trying to pay you everyone. for sex. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and uh, but the funny thing is, is the movie also has, like, because in that scene when they're like, no, John Wayne isn't a fag, like one of them is like, he probably just liked to watch his buddies fuck, which is <laughs> yeah, totally who, normal. What, what guys don't like to watch their buddies fuck? And they're I like, know yeah, I, do. I do too. <laughs> which is like, that was the moment I was like, what is this movie saying? Because I first kind of just assumed like, oh, this is a movie from the 80s. They're not woke. But yeah. then it was like, oh, wait, There's what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're all uh, just like elbowing each other like, yeah of course of course we all who, love who it who doesn't like that <laughs> yeah that normal thing that we like for straight men um so yeah this movie kind of always is is keeping you on your toes about like what it is trying to get at yeah um and, and I it, it's know. only I still like the, don't know. <laughs> it's only like in the tension between all of these different strains that you kind of get a holistic world. I mean, that's kind of why I wanted to do that when you when we were talking about doing an app. That I pitched this because I've loved this movie forever. I, I watch it at least once a year, probably. Mm-hmm. And I and I've always sent you know it's it's fairly overtly political in certain ways, but in other ways it pay, it plays its cards kind of close to the chest. And I'm totally. always in kind of a unifying theory of the politics of repo man has always eluded me uh other mm-hmm. than maybe like everybody are idiots and there's only so it's only so well that we could do in if that is the baseline rule yeah mm-hmm. i think it's i think it's very in line with punk especially of that era like the hardcore punk ideology wasn't political really like those 80s hardcore kids outside of like uh like mdc or somebody like that weren't like they didn't have like the best politics at all they mostly were just like you know like fear like leaving writing songs about like let's have a war so you can all die like you know (laughs) we need the room we need the money like they're like they're bordering on like the fascist level of nihilism a lot of the time and it's kind of the the ideology of this movie is kind of in line with that for me where it's really just like it's a it's a kill them all and let god sort them out sort of a vibe (laughs) Yeah, but at the same time, I it also seems to be making fun of that mm-hmm. yeah. all the time. And, and that was what was so confusing to me is because the one person who actually is like factually correct mm-hmm. is Miller. Right. And he's the one who's like, no, it's not. Like, he, he He's the one who the movie for the whole movie uh, treats as though he's nuts. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then at the end, it's like, actually, no, this is the real deal. Yeah, and actually, so he like, to fly the uh, <laughs> fly the, the the car. I feel like the movie, if there's anything I can like f- sort of grasp onto, is that the movie sort of is trying to say that everybody in the movie is wrong, mm-hmm. and all of this sort of like is it is nihilistic, yeah. but has this sort of understanding that there is a reality and a truth that's happening that you can find, but it's way crazier than you think it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And even the people that they see, like the the G Men or that weird woman with the robot hand, who's uh, you know talking, who's who's uh, Emilio Estevez Otto's kind of girlfriend's boss, who seems to know something more about the uh, the aliens. Even mm-hmm. they don't fully know what's going on, and when they find the car, they can't even approach it. Right. Um, well, they're all like not worthy, basically. Yeah. Basically. And like, I th- it's weird because Miller is like allowed to approach the car for like. It's never said, but it's just sort of like because he's chill. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Uh-huh. And like, I feel like the only reason Otto's allowed to is because he's like so nihilistic that he's chill. Yeah, because and, he he only goes with whatever flow is put in front of him. Right, and he's just like, okay, cool, fuck it, who cares? Yeah. Literally, the the girl that he's been trying to to fuck the entire movie is cradling him in her, her arms being like, Otto, what about our relationship? And he turns to her and says, fuck that. Fuck that. I'm going fuck in the glowing that. car. There's yeah. a glowing car So here. maybe it's a movie about like how lame it is to be a tryhard. You know, everybody <laughs> yeah. who everybody who has any kind of ideology in this movie at all about anything uh, can't approach the car. The only except people who Will, can Except are, for Miller. Yeah. Well, but Miller uh, even is just like... like uh, it's it, I don't know. It's more like a like a wavy. You know, it doesn't really yeah, seem like I it's mean, necessarily set on anything. It's just like vague, sort of you know, like out there shit. I guess. I mean, he 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 truly believes in his uh, you know his coincidence ideology. I would say that you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. Or what's his one line? It's like, what do you you know when you say that say something like plate of shrimp. And then oh, yeah. 10 minutes later, you hear somebody say plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp. You don't know why. It's, it's like, that's, I don't know. That's basically his ideology. Maybe that you can just like. <laughs> shit is weird. Yeah, shit is weird. And, and the world runs on coincidence. And maybe yeah. by leaning into that, you can, you can have some, kind, some level of, uh, I don't know, control or at least uh, understanding of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the ideology of the, uh, of the graphic van. You know, yeah, exactly. it's the ideology of the wizard on the graphic van who says, like, I understand the world because I'm high. <laughs> I'm so high. I get everything. I mean, in another part of the movie, they all, uh, when they're talking to uh, the the scientist, the supposed inventor of the uh, neutron bond, uh, J. Frank Parnell, who's driving around the car. Right. He tells him a... Uh, a weird story about, or a story about how his friend got a lobotomy. Never been happen, happier. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's also weird. Maybe it's just like about like not. Maybe the whole movie is a is the hardest vibes movie of all time, and it's just like you know what? Don't think about anything. Just get a be lobotomy. Vibing. Yeah. yeah. Just 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 be vibing. Just, just be vibing. The people who vibe win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the vibes shall inherit the earth. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, would everyone recommend this movie? I would, yeah. I think if if anything, I would say the soundtrack alone is absolutely worth recommending it for. The aesthetic <laughs> I love is how it fantastic. Has a, I love how it has a, uh, a a pop song, like an official name pop song, mm-hmm. like by yeah. Iggy Pop. Yeah, it's like uh, Repo do, Man, the song. Speaking of this, I do. I found it. I wanted to read this one. This one Criterion essay uh, line that could only be oh, I mean, yes. a Criterion oh, essay yeah, about yeah. this movie. It, 
With, with the preposterously marvelous timing of Repo Man, Cox had the most vibrant and diverse punk scene in America to work with, and certainly no other film had the good fortune to, to such novel effect. Consider this cameo by the Circle Jerks. The scene, of one of the, mighty, the scene shows one of the mightiest lineups in the first wave of American hardcore. Mm-hmm. Heath Morris, Greg Hetson, Earl Liberty of Saccharine Trust, and the celebrated drummer, Chuck Biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> The celebrated Chuck Biscuits. Celebrated anymore. Chuck Biscuits. <laughs> celebrated. Also, I would uh, uh, I would argue uh, but that also, the circle but also, just, <laughs> that wasn't a good lineup of the Circle Jerks. Uh, also <laughs> noting that in this in that carnation of the band band's only recorded performance as the lounge act <laughs> like scatting over a drum machine. Yeah, weird how there's no drummer there. Yeah, yeah. Where's the celebrated Chuck Biscuits? Yeah. Where is he? What does he do? <laughs> He's also pretending to play bass or whatever. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's it's the the soundtrack is fantastic. The vibes are fantastic. It's yeah. I think it maybe drags a little bit. There's like one or two too many scenes of Emilio Estevez trying to be a Repo Man and failing. But otherwise, I think pretty there great, is, pretty fantastic. There's one. There's one too many scenes where he's just like, just like taking his dick out and trying to fuck that girl mm-hmm. against yeah. her will. Yeah. Uh, that I don't get if it's supposed to be for played for laughs or just to show that he's like a caged animal who like doesn't understand anything, but it felt really weird and like didn't play like, yeah, the second oh. one in the gallery. Yeah. 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 I was just like, I don't know about this, but, but besides some of the not aged well political stuff, I mean, the movie has a very interesting point of view, uh, and it's it's obviously not played to be like, look at how cool Otto is. Mm-hmm. Like the movie never falls into that trap, right? Um, so I mean, just in terms of being a really fun movie that has a lot of great music, uh, that looks awesome, that has a lot of great set design, costuming, the acting is really funny. Uh, there's a lot of funny parts, and just the cinematography and all the practical effects look great. And I. Would definitely recommend it. I think it's a really good good movie. Uh, yeah, I really think it's my favorite movie of all time. And part of the reason, you know, as we talk through this, is that I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it means. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, every part, and I think that's what why it'll 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 enrapture me for my hopefully my entire life is that I think every time I watch it, I can find a little a new little thing in it that I'm like, maybe that's actually what Repo Man's about. (laughs) But in the but in the meantime, like literally every moment of this film has like something funny, something interesting. Yeah, all the parts that Bryn just uh, recommended. And I would just then lay on top of that. It's really fucking funny. Like the the ratio of lines to lines that I consider iconic lines in this movie Mm-hmm. Is like I don't know, maybe like one half. Mm-hmm. It's very much like uh, it's it's like Watchmen in that way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's like every every other line is is something that I can just like quote offhandedly. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for coming on, Chris. This has been awesome to have you and talking about Repo Man. Uh, would you like to plug anything? Uh, I would plug the movie Repo Man. Go watch it. <laughs> Uh, but I would also plug, uh, I do a, a comedy and politics podcast, but that doesn't really need, um, any support. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, what does need support is, and introducing a podcast about words about music where we yeah. break down, um, the l- lives usually a si- of a singular musician, musician through their memoir, but sometimes we do, uh, movements or scenes or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find that at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro. 
dash pod. Bryn has been a guest in the past for a really lovely episode. Do you ever the, end up doing anything with the uh, corn book? I think I gave you a copy of that corn book, right? Oh yeah, the um, the Brian Head Welch book. Uh huh. Yeah, we did an episode with um, Murder Brian from oh, Street yeah. Fight about about <laughs> corn. Uh, that was great. Well, and I think I'm going to have uh, Murder Brian on soon to talk about the Garth Brooks documentary because apparently oh, Garth no. Brooks just cries the entire way through, wow. which sounds funny. Well, uh, if sounds you want to do an episode on the Fieldy book, I have that one too. The, the what, Bill? <laughs> Fieldy, the, the other guy from Corn. <laughs> oh, great. Well, sure. I'm, I'm not opposed to revisiting bands. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, I would plug our other shows, uh, Ballin' Out Super, Beep Beep Lettuce. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, stay tuned. Ballin' Out Super, we're releasing a uh, radio play. It is a 35-minute long uh, true crime do- uh, uh, podcast that takes place in the Dragon Ball universe. It is called Zerial, oh, yeah. and it is coming <laughs> to you. We are raising money for bail funds with it. Uh, yeah. So keep an eye on the Ballin' Out Super Twitter for that. There is going to be details about it. Please donate to bail funds. And, yeah, uh, please donate to uh, Black Mama's Bail Fund, Asada's Daughters. Uh, I will do a little more research and uh, put them in the description of the next following episodes. So please do that. Please support the uprising, Black Lives Matter, etc. Uh, so thank you so much for listening to the movie podcast uh, <laughs> in this very political time. Um, and thank you again, Chris, for coming on. Chris Wade, everybody. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. I was a man of my business when the devil walked in on me. He oh, no. Waving his hand said, come on, just follow me. <laughs> so I, I looked him in the eyes and I showed him to the door. Oh, no. And I told him to get lost because I've been there once before. Don't want to be reek, 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 repossessed. Reek, reek, repossessed. Reek, 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 repossessed. Ring, 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 ring the test. Now I've, I've been invited to the Neverland called Hell. It's much too warm for me, don't like the heat down there. And I've looked fear in the face so many times before. And that's why I'm so fast to show him to the door. Don't wanna be ring, 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 ring the test. Get on up, get on up, up the door. Ring, 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 ring.